When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joy! So I'm not going to worry about your level of concern. Joy and double joy! We talking about Twitter. Ripple joy! Think of how stupid the average person is, and then realize half of them are stupider than that. Quad ripple joy. Welcome to 2022. I believe in the United States of America, and I believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers. We mock ourselves. 80% of us are taking a mind-altering drug probably dozens of times a day. If you're listening to this network, it's guaranteed 100%. All of us, junkies. I see it every day, but many of you are oblivious. It's changing your behavior and your brains for the worse. I'm talking about social media, Steeler Nation. You are no longer in control, and this is your intervention. It's what Jin's talking about, the conversation about the Steelers' social media conversation. I'm Kyle Kreis. Here with me in the the Mitch Trubisky mecca of North Carolina <laughs> is Greg Benevent. Hello. Have you have you uh, do you worship around the Mitch altar? How far are you from UNC right now? Uh, uh, that's a great question. At uh, I'm in Greensboro, so I believe the correct answer is I'm not close to uh, North Carolina University, but. Uh, I have no idea. I, I, I take solace in the fact that Mitch is actually from Cleveland, so I'm really not all that close. Oh, so you're more like an Alex Highsmith country, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I think I saw that sign on the way in. Actually. Oh, welcome to Highsmith country. <laughs> Hope you enjoy your stay. And and a special <laughs> guest here in the studio, uh, representing IUP. Mm-hmm. It's August DeRose Jones. Hey, how's it going? Not just uh, a comic here in Los Angeles, but we've got real front office experience. Worked with the Pens, worked with the Raiders, uh, in, in not in not the LA Raiders, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us, tell us your experience in, in in the front office here. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm uh, excited to uh, be a part of the show today. Uh, but yeah, I, I have front office experience. Uh, worked interned and then later on worked for the Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, worked for the Oakland, like you said, Oakland Raiders back uh, in the heyday of of the Oakland Raiders. The uh, the year, my first year with the Raiders was uh, the year they drafted Amari Cooper. So okay, I was gonna say you didn't have a role in getting AB shipped over to uh, to Oakland or anything. No, it was dysfunctional. <laughs> I was there, but not that dysfunctional yet. So so we've got real front office. Enough of these couch Colberts and cons. We've got real front off experience, and we need it because. Uh, <laughs> Man, this week, man, the fans at their worst. And, and I feel like I've said that three times already this offseason. Uh, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's get to the tweets. First up, because, you know, I've, I went from... I went from full full on black and gold QAnon uh, 48 <laughs> hours ago to now I'm starting to calm down. Uh, but there's still... There's still questions that need to be answered and fans that need to be roasted. We're going to start with at Mikey five aces, Mikey aces. Tomlin needs to go like super serious. This is embarrassing. It's talking about the clerical error heard round the black and gold universe. Uh, uh, 
Greg, what uh, how, what was your feeling? You know, you were you were probably en route to Mitch Mecca, but when when this whole clerical controversy came up, uh, were, were you biting into it or were you kind of ignoring it? Well, I mean, one, I, I, I try to ignore anything that has to do with a uh, depth chart, since that can change in literally any single play in any injury. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I ignored it and downplayed it anyway. I mean, the idea of a clerical error is at first hard to believe, but by that same token, the kind of dumb thing that actually can happen in the real world. So yeah, I, I, I also, I mean, just reading this tweet, you know, Tomlin needs to go like super serious. This is embarrassing. I really doubt that this is the first time that Mr. Aces has posted that. I oh. think he just happened to put it around uh, something that just it, whatever happened recently. That's where Mr. Ace is. Was. Oh, yeah. The Tomlin haters will find any reason, including a copy and paste uh, snafu, a typo, as, as we call it here in the industry, in the podcast injury. <laughs> it's a typo. Uh, but, you know, there there is some questions to be answered here. August, you you've got the front office experience. Are you buying? <laughs> Are you buying this uh, clerical error? A clerical error is something that can be fixed, you know, over an email or a text. This lasted 18 hours before <laughs> it was fixed. What? What? Uh, what's your take on all this? I actually kind of buy it and in, buy into it. I just because I know the people that like for the Raiders example that would ch- change the depth chart, like that would happen. I was actually the the head of the women's association, so anytime we cut a player, I would have to go in and make sure they didn't get future emails about team events and things like that. And so I could see how it could, it could slip the, uh, the mind, but you, you also would hope that a, a decision and something that's going to be focused on as hard as that would be uh, taken care of a little more carefully. I totally agree. And uh, breaking news. I didn't realize Oakland had female players on their team. I, you know, <laughs> I, we all suspected it, but now the confirmation, uh, let, you know, let's, let's get to what, let's get to exactly what Tomlin said, because it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, he's sure, sure. He's not necessarily lying. Uh, I would never go that far, but is he, you know, is he coming clean with the whole truth and nothing but the truth here? Let's, uh, let's get to the sound. It was a clerical error. You know, um, that's how the depth chart was listed at the start of training camp. So the cut and paste component was the cut and paste component. So he's not saying someone made an he, the cut and paste component is the cut. That's not admitting that someone made a mistake. That's not admitting that something was overlooked. There, there's more to it. What, what, what does that mean, Greg? The cut and paste component is the component. Well, I, I mean, I, what I took from the repetition to mean it was, yes, there was a mistake. No, I did not make it. Three, why do we still care? That That's what I got out of that. I think by saying it is the cut and paste component is, admit, is saying that it's a mistake that has nothing to do with any actual operation of the football team. I, I like the way he addressed it because there's a subtle tinge of uh, making fun of you for asking him. So, well, who, you know, he's not, it's not Bert's mistake. It's not the head of the PR because he, right. he didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't his mistake. Is, is it Tomlin himself who was d- typing out this, uh, this, this depth chart? I, I, hey, I've watched Hard Knocks and it is the coach mm-hmm. and the GM were in the room, you know, m- like physically moving names up and down a depth chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, August, what do you think? Is this, did Tomlin make this cut and paste mistake? Uh, I would say no. I feel like he's so on top of that kind of stuff i feel like that the whoever does handle the website probably did get lazy and kind of just copy and pasted the camp death chart and they're like oh well there's no change in the starter like what you know what i mean it could be someone who doesn't even actually know the significance of where someone is in the depth chart like is there is there people in the office who might not even be realize that like hey if kenny's number three that means he's not getting dressed there's people that work in front offices that never watched a football game in their life so (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately they just like to say "I, i work for a team Uh, You heard it first. Um, Now, you know, there were two. I thought there were two scenarios that could have came out of this. Uh, Like I said, I was full on uh, QAnon. And, you know, I kind of thought for a minute that maybe at STJ. GRFT was was on was on pace JT cut and paste that's a whole lot of BS what a laughing stock the real truth is Art Rooney the whatever chewed Tomlin out either last night or this morning and the change was made you know uh, conspiracy theories in effect here I mean look the original tweet with the depth chart went out at 4 p.m. Uh, mm-hmm. Monday night. Then it wasn't until eleven fifteen. So you had all this time to meet and congregate. Were there discussions? Do you think could could there be any chance that that these conspiracy theories might have an inch of flame to them? 
Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how you're defining the idea of a conspiracy theory of the idea of someone saying like, yeah, uh, that's incorrect and we should change it at some point. I can believe that the idea that, you know, Art Rooney had some kind of confrontation where he marched up to Tomlin and looked him seriously in the eyes and chewed him out and gave him a big speech. That's a bit hard for me to believe. Well, I mean, would it have to be a, a maybe could have just been a discussion like, uh, you know, hey, coach. Um, you know, we're selling a lot of Kenny jerseys. Uh, fans want to see him on the sidelines. They don't want to see him eating a quesadilla with the clipboard. Um, uh, August, what do you think? Could there, could there have been any any discussion, or is this just totally in the in the realm of fantasy? I, I think it's a little fantasy, and the, my my only reasoning is if people remember, like Big Ben was third string quarterback going into his rookie season, and he got picked eleventh overall. So it's kind of like okay. I, I kind of looked at it from the beginning, and I was just yeah, I kind of was like I don't I don't know if this is I was fine with it that he wasn't, and I'm the biggest picket supporter there is. So I thought he I thought that yeah I thought Tomlin might shock the shock the world and announce KP eight as QB one, but then when he came out originally as QB three, I thought hey, there's logic to that too. I was with it. I was with mm-hmm. it. Um, uh, now. Now let's let's talk about option two. So okay, maybe this wasn't a conspiracy. Maybe it was just a, a cut and paste. But when the the mistake happened, um, do you think that maybe Tomlin was a little bit all too happy to let the misunderstanding go out there? Let's get to at AO germ germ. Did Tomlin troll us just for a reaction? Come on, at 401, there were tweets out there going, Kenny, number two? So they knew at 401 the mistake was made, and yet no correction was made for, you know, hours and hours. Did Tomlin kind of uh, get his get his jiggles off this? Jiggles? What am I even saying? <laughs> I, 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 I have a pretty clear idea of what you meant by jiggles, so I'll go with that. It, uh, I don't know if Tomlin was necessarily uh, trolling the fan base on Twitter, but it's no entire stretch of my mind to think that maybe he was okay with letting that be out there for a day and uh, uh, letting uh, the media run with it. I mean, it has seemed since, you know, the beginning of this entire quarterback uh, competition that Tomlin has been okay with the media uh, being in the dark and not knowing exactly what's going on. And this very well could have been the culmination of that. I think it's also easy to think that, you know, they they knew what the right depth chart was. So uh, they didn't feel any need to correct it, knowing there would be a press conference the next day. That's the only, that's what, got me off the cliff was when Mace came out on Wednesday and was like, hey, we knew what was up all along. It made me say, oh, okay, this obviously was then just a copy and paste mistake. But mm-hmm. all day Tuesday, I was thinking, I think Art kind of said something. I think maybe, you know, and maybe even higher. What if someone from what if someone from New York marketing was like, uh, come on, Art, we, we got uh, Kenny Pickett jerseys rolling off the racks here. We can't have him on the sidelines. That's what I was thinking. But... What this really showed to me is that okay. the my my thesis that there are no true insiders because where were the insiders when this mistake happened? Did someone shoot a text over to Omar Khan or to te- uh, to Tomlin? No. And in fact, here is we'll go to at D Lolly underscore PGH Dale Lolly the tweet at five thirty seven so an hour and a half after the 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 depth chart came out lots of time to text someone hey is this right any corrections oh Kenny's three but no Dale Lolly as I've said for months Rudolph gives him the best chance to win on game days if something happens to the starter in the long term you turn to picket Rudolph is better short term August where what are these in, these insiders don't know nothing who are the insiders I I couldn't agree more with that take cuz I was thinking the same thing I'm like how is no one squashing this like from the get go like they should know you know at least that uh and I I mean my man Dale's take with Rudolph uh I thought it was just Honestly, I and it, it might not have been with how quickly they, I guess the next day they shot it down, but I thought it was trade bait. I thought it was just oh. trade bait. Like Mason's, you know, he's our QB two. He could be your QB one if you need one or a backup. You know what I mean? I thought that that's kind of what the direction was. You know, but but uh, but we know we know Tomlin. I don't send messages. I just make moves. No mess. You know, he doesn't send messages like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, and Greg Lolly is is I'm, I pick him out of this because he just got signed to the he's joining I was the just team. Just about to say that, yeah. So he's as close as an insider as they're. You know, him and Pompiani, they both were kind of in the dark, you could say. So if they aren't the true insiders, who can who can we trust out there? What you know, what what what's your take on on all these uh you know on all this insider no nonsense? Well, I mean, the first thought is obviously uh, for everyone, whether you're connected to a football team or not, you don't have to tweet immediately. 
That is the big key takeaway from this and perhaps everything else as well. But by that same token, uh, it, 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 I don't know. I always thought the insider, yeah, it, it, you shouldn't trust the insider entirely. I mean, the, the thing, the nice thing, one of the nice things about the Steelers is they do tend to operate in a very conservative, risk averse fashion. So it's not that you can predict their moves with 100% accuracy, but you always have a pretty clear idea of what's going on. And if you sort of stick to the idea about they're going to keep doing things the way they had in the past, you'll always be, if not uh, uh, totally in the know, then you'll rarely be entirely in the dark. Oh, you know, you mean you may actually study the past to affect the present? Uh, yeah, that's tricky for Steeler Nation, you know? Yesterday is a hard word for me. Very hard for Steeler Nation. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I want to talk about some good Tomlin news out there because okay. you know everyone wants to focus on the cut and paste. But anytime a, a player or a coach from another team talks Tomlin, I got to bring that up because Steeler Nation seems to ignore that. Let's go to <whistles> at. M.D. Bergen, Mark Bergen, CBS broadcaster Ian Eagle has met with nearly every NFL coach since 1998. He explained why Coach Tomlin is the best. Here, let's get to the sound. You name a head coach since 1998, I've met with him. What? Mike Tomlin is the best guy in these meetings. What? He's transparent. What? There's not a question out there that you can't ask him. What? Mike Tomlin will tell you, you ask me anything. I'm going to give you the answer I need to give, but you can ask. Mike Tomlin deals with your questions because he's straightforward and transparent. The reality is just what he brings. Ike what? knows better than anybody. Positivity walks into that meeting room, upbeat. So, you know, that's that's there's a testimonial from Ian Eagle that just kind of throws more water on the fact that maybe Tomlin was trying to deceive or that this wasn't anything more than just a cut and paste. I mean, look, everyone knows he's mm. Tomlin's on the up and up. He's, he wouldn't deceive you like that. Or or would he? You know, he did give a he did give a big <laughs> crap eaten smile when he was asked that question from Brooke Pryor. Well, what, what do you think, Greg? Well, I, I think uh, a couple of things. I, I got. I remember just listening to that. How much my father couldn't stand Ian Eagle, and uh, to hear that is uh, nicer. But I mean, it, I don't know. I, I I'm of two minds about it. I mean, one, obviously, that's what you would want in a coach, in a boss, in a colleague is somebody that is that open, is that transparent, is easy to work with in a majority of contexts. Two, it's okay to listen to that as a fan and be a bit frustrated by it. I mean, I think many fans would trade uh, someone who's taciturn and bad with the media for someone that wins a lot of games. But fortunately, Tomlin wins a lot of games and happens to be a good person at the same time. So I think that is one of those things I am reassured to hear. Uh, you know, what I what I like to say, August, I think that, you know, Tomlin trends, he's beginning to at least, or if he hasn't already, transcends football. You know, people from outside of Pittsburgh look at him as a role model. Yet Steeler Nation mm -hmm. is, you know, there's a part of Steeler Nation that's fired Tomlin no matter what. Uh, so we see these testimonials from outside of the league. Why do you think there, what, why is there two competing views as far as who Mike Tomlin is? My, my answer to that would be, and I've kind of been this way, I think Mike Tomlin is hands down the best football coach culture coach in the league no no contest uh but i think with people who you know might know the game or might not know the game i think the play calling the x's and o's has been lacking i guess a little for the last you know little bit okay that would be my kind of take on it but i can say as a native pittsburgher uh just about two years ago i saw mike tomlin actually going to get his mail and he was wearing a full set of Pittsburgh Steelers pajamas. So, <laughs> so him being a good guy is definitely uh, seems on par. Breaking news! Breaking news! That's a joke to me. No, no, breaking with, with the pajamas. <laughs> hey, I got three sets of Steelers pajamas myself. So uh, I'm glad that. Uh, I, I, and hey, I mean, uh, you know, I, I won't say you're stalking him at his house if you're catching him in his PJs. But it was the most Pittsburgh. I was driving two Minios to get pizza shout out minios and I, my friend looks over and he goes is that mike tomlin and we look over and sure enough it was all right we're going way long we got to talk qb battle we, we're going all this mm. talking we haven't even talked about the anyone on the field yet let's uh let's get to let's go to at jerry dulac jerry dulac wow. there is no plan for Pickett. trubisky is not on a short leash and here's the quote from his chat Steelers will only make that move when it's necessary if it's necessary Tomlin won't be quick at all. He doesn't believe in a short leash unless it's absolutely necessary. 
So uh, how, how, how big of a leash, you know, Greg, we've said before it's going to be that first pick until uh, when, when the leash <laughs> is, is heard, right? Or at least the, fan, the fan's leash will come off after that first pick. What, what, what do you think about this uh, quote-unquote insider take on, on Trubisky's leash? Well, I mean, well, the fan's leash goes as long as the first three and out. As soon as they get to like third and eight and there's an incompletion, that's when the fan's leash reaches its limit. Uh, as far as the actual leash, I think that in retrospect, and we won't know until, you know, Tomlin's book in 20 or 30 years. I kind of wonder if maybe that was the subtext of what the preseason was really about. I mean, like I said before, I kind of wonder if this whole QB derby thing was really about determining how long Mitch's leash was. And since he did have a pretty good preseason on top of everything else, I think that keeps the leash pretty extended. It, um, that said, how long it, it, the leash is in general, if things go bad, I mean, not to catastrophize, but geez, I mean, we know that the Steelers tend to look at the season in quarters, even though it's a 17 game schedule now, I imagine they stick to that. So does it, is, is Mitch uh, uh, out at one quarter that goes badly that goes one and three? Is it, is it two quarters? I, 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 that's the only, that, if they something like one and three, oh, and three, I, I think that's where you might start to wonder has the leash become frayed? We can't speculate and recollate. Well, well, we got to, we got to, we got to speculate a little, AB. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, let's, what? what? Oh, let's. Let's go to at Trib Sports, you know, Tribune Review Sports. Mitch Trubisky, first player elected captain in his first year with the Steelers since 1970. So, August, obviously, you know, the players are buying into Mitch. Uh, does that mean he's going to get a little more time in the huddle there? I, I've i been saying now for a minute, and so thanks for having me on the show then I, <laughs> so I can say it to some more people because I wanted to be on record. I think that there was no way ever that they were going to start Kenny Pickett at Cincinnati for his first ever mm-hmm. it just i don't i don't i thought that that would have been stupid no matter what and like i said mm-hmm. i'm the biggest kind of picket fan that there can be i'll come out and say that i'm a homer <laughs> uh but i i've been also saying with that i think if mitch shocks the world and beats cincinnati in cincinnati week one make that leash as long as you want if he doesn't mm-hmm. start picket week two it was week two, right we, there. Because that's a that's that three game stretch in our schedule at home against the Patriots, who I don't think are the Patriots of old. Sure. On the road mm-hmm. with no Deshaun Watson, Cleveland, and then at home against the Jets with maybe against Joe Flacco. Like if you want to talk about a confidence builder, that's the that's the three game stretch that I would aim for. Wow. So yeah. So the, yeah. So everyone was talking early, like the early part of the season was tough, but you're saying get him in, get him in as soon as you, as we can there. Just because if he does get that experience and things do turn out well, who knows where this team can go with this defense. Can't argue with that. Um, uh, you know, and, and hey, let's let's get let's Ben Wade in, of course. And and I, and I'm and I'm playing this because I think Ben is on the right track here. It's it's a lesson. Uh, it's a message for Steeler Nation uh, because they're so hot on Kenny right now. Here, here's what Ben has to say. Even if Mitch has a, a bad game or something, it doesn't mean just yanking like, you know, people were going to and people are so excited for Kenny, which they should be. I mean, he's a pit kid. Right. You know, played at pit. And so the they're super excited for him. But. I just don't. I, I just hope the fans don't like the first time that Mitch, you know, doesn't play well. They don't start like booing or yank him or do something like yeah. that because, listen, it's going to happen. Give the, give the guy a chance to keep going and whatever. That's a touchdown. So you know, <laughs> Ben was watching the backyard brawl as he was <laughs> as he was podcasting. Um, you know, hey, Ben knows these fans. The he knows the boo birds are going to come out, and he wants Mitch mm-hmm. to get the chance. Um, you know, and and who would know more than Ben, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's and Ben even remembers that from, uh, you know, I mean, it's easy to forget that people were ready to pull Ben in the middle of the the Super Bowl 43 season when he started when he those games when he was out and left, which would come in. So, yeah, it you know, hopefully that hopefully people uh, stick to that idea. But, man, it, it, it's just it's going to it's going to be tough when the first time that Mitch struggles. I mean, that's that's particularly in the Patriots game. Uh, yeah, that, that would be nice if the fans think that which is something i feel like we say just about every week on here i think even if even if steelers win but it's one of these you know like low offense type of wins you know uh i oh, think they'll still the be Titans game last year yeah 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 i think that uh yeah i think mitch is it's an uphill battle all season i don't know what he can do to except just i mean lights out week after week uh you know uh 
But hey, I'm not here to speculate or recollate. Um, we're, gosh, we're always going long. I got so much. Uh, I don't, you know, captains. Hey, what can there be said about captains? Let's not even. Hey, they're captains, right? Um, let's go to. We got to get to the second half, but I want to get to all these predictions. Let's just let's just get some some quick predictions here. Sure. Let's start with Bleacher Report. Latest win-loss predictions for every NFL team. They've got Steelers going 8-9. and nine. It's easy to envision Mitch, Mason, and Kenny all getting starts, which is not promising. Uh, you know, I know we always it always takes more than 52 helmets uh, throughout a season, but could, do you see a scenario where all three QBs are getting starts? Yeah, it's really easy to see. The offensive line is not great, then everyone gets hurt, and then they kind of like cycle back in as they recover from their injuries. It, uh, I don't know. I mean, all the predictions uh, I see, it's all either eight and nine or nine and eight. So, I mean, whether you believe the Steelers are going to have a winning record or a losing record, you're all kind of on this very thin line. Yeah, you're like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna be eight and nine, horrible, or they're gonna be nine and eight, great. <laughs> like, what's the difference? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. August, what do you think? I, I think if all three QBs are getting starts, then it might not be eight and nine. It might be like seven and ten or six yeah, and eleven. I, I kind of agree with. <laughs> I kind of agree with Greg with uh, I think the only chance that all three suit up and actually do playing time this year is from injuries. There's no way. I don't think play comes into it. Either Mitch plays mm-hmm. bad and Kenny comes in or Kenny gets hurt and Mitch comes back in. But there's no way I don't think all three see a hel- see the field unless injuries. You're right. I mean, we can look back to the Duck and May season where, sure, we started with Mace. He got hurt, went to Duck. Then Duck kind of threw some ducks. We went back to Mace. And then we went back to Duck. So uh, mm-hmm. there is a, I guess there is a precedent for, hey, if we don't have anyone, we might give everyone a shot. But Oh, yeah. And also remember that you never would have seen Duck if Mason hadn't gotten hurt either time, whether against the Ravens or the Jets. If he hadn't been hurt, he wouldn't have been in there. So, All right. Uh, some quick other predictions. We've got... Uh-oh. Uh, Sports Illustrated at SI now. Uh, they got Steelers nine and eight, third in the division, making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We've got USA Today at Jay Bailey, Jared Bailey. Uh, they got Steelers going nine and eight, third in the division, missing the playoffs. And of course, our around the NFL, our favorite Cynthia Freeland uh, simulated one million games Jeez. and gives the Steelers seven point eight wins. And a, with a ceiling of 9.7, even worse than last year when she predicted oh. 8.4 wins. And, and we ended up going 9.7 and 1. So Was that the floor last year? Was 8.4? 8.4 was, totally the, was the median. That was the... Ah, uh, oh, okay. So, it's you know, 9 and 8, not making the playoffs. 9 and 8, making the playoffs. Which sounds, which sounds more, uh, re- more accurate. Or neither. Well, I mean, I, I, it's easy to right now think nine and eight not make the playoffs unfortunately just because i mean everything you hear is about how good you know practically the rest of the afc is except for like jacksonville and houston but uh, i i it's also entirely possible that all these other teams beat each other up and nine and eight gets into the playoffs and it comes down to one or two games many of which don't involve the steelers like we literally just saw a few months ago i mean a team that's always just over a winning record is always going to have just the kind of a chance to get into the playoffs, but not totally determine their own fate. I mean, that's kind of true in any sport. What uh, August? What do, what's your? You know, do you have? You know, nine and eight seems pretty milk toast. Are you ready to go above and beyond that, or is that kind of what we're looking at? I would hate to see the team go eight and nine because yeah. Tomlin would lose his you know reputation of never having a losing season, and I would rather us go three and whatever. Like I want us. I would rather us have a Joe Burrow type of Bengals rookie year where Kenny comes in, does whatever. Mitch goes in, does whatever. We have a top pick. We end up getting Jordan Addison. We do the Jamar Chase, <laughs> Joe Burrow deal. And then in year two, we're playing in the Super Bowl. I think, you know, 500, if you look historically, 500, you know, more than half of the time, a 500 record gets you into the playoffs. We saw it last year, 9-7-1. and one. That was enough. And um, yeah. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I, around then, I think that's a safe bet. What's Vegas saying? Eight and a half is our is our over under on wins. Like, give me the over, give me the over, yeah, and I'll the, hammer that, and the playoffs, yeah. playoffs. Mm-hmm. All right, we gotta. You know, <laughs> well, there's no reason to not be optimistic right now. I mean, the season hasn't started. You don't have to be defeatist yet. <laughs> if you're ever gonna be positive, this is the time. Not that anyone ever is on social. Media. Oh well, you haven't read uh, any of the think pieces on O lines then uh, <laughs> coming in the past week or so. Maybe we'll get into some of that in the second half. I don't know. We got a lot. We got a lot to get to coming up. 
the science behind Renegade. Yes, a professor <laughs> figured out uh, just how important is Renegade to the Steelers winning. And the answer may surprise you, or if you've been to uh, Acrisure Stadium ever, then maybe it won't surprise you. Um, all right, we got that coming up in the second half. Uh, maybe we'll talk O-line. These O-line haters, I don't know. I got a wake-up call for everyone who uh, who wants to cry and moan about our offensive line. I don't know. All right. We'll see you after these very important sponsors. Raise your brain. You got it. Raise your brain. You want it. You got confidence. Secure. Feeling confident? Raise your brand. Got $150 million? Raise your brand. Need AI solutions to carbon-based insurance problems? Raise your brand and reach for AcraShore. Confidence, confidence, tried and secure. Raise your brand, raise your brand, AcraShore. Raise your brand, raise your brand, AcraShore. All right, welcome back. So, you know, in football, we pour over stats and figures, even though there is a part of the game that comes down to intangibles, you know, like momentum or energy in the stadium. For Steelers, of course, that's Renegade, uh, you know, and, and the question is, does Renegade actually make a difference during the games? And my guest today did the scientific research to find the answer. He's a professor of mathematics, the chair of Point State of Point Park University's Department of Natural Sciences, Engineering, and Technology, a grad of Duquesne and Pitt, uh, even a world-class kayaker, Dr. Matt Pascal. Welcome to What Jin's Talking About. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Good to be here. <laughs> now, this is the type of research I'm here for. Uh, when you and your students started out looking into Renegade, did you have any assumptions going in? Like, what, what were you thinking you were going to find out? Well, it's interesting because I'm actually not a football fan, like at <laughs> all. I am, I am, I'm a Pittsburgher native through and through. Every Sunday during Steelers season, my entire family gathers for games, and I'm the only one not there. And so I'm teased res relentlessly about this. So when this came to me, uh, I think that my whole entire family was excited and nervous that I would screw it up. <laughs> but it actually kind of gave me, you know, this like unbiased thing. The way that the way that I was able to look at this, I'm just looking at numbers. I'm not I'm not in love with the Steelers like everybody else is. I have, however, been to home games. I have experienced Renegade live, so I did know at least what I was getting into. Yeah, but I I imagine coming from an analytical or a statistical viewpoint, you're probably going in saying, ah, it's probably not any different than anything else, really. I did not expect it to have much of a difference. So you studied uh, 54 home games from 2014 to 2021. The, yeah. re the research, how, how did you find out, like, because that happens during a TV timeout. Well, how do you find out when the song is played, uh, you know, at, wh at what point, you know, how did you get into all the research of that? Well, we, we simply asked the Steelers. <laughs> um, and they, they were able to give us some data, but, you know, it was more like, um, almost like, scratch work on a notepad from the games oh so so we this is actually where our students were most crucial because they were able to go into nfl data which is like easy to find all over the internet and find out oh yeah this is where it actually happened because we knew it was like you know say for example 10 minutes 21 seconds left in the fourth quarter well if we go back to the game stats for that moment it might have actually been 10:23 or 10:18, and they were able to read this the stats from the data, the play-by-play -play stats, and say this is where it must have happened. Okay. So we had to correct a lot of the data, but that enabled us to get uh, all the way back to 2014 through this this past season, and we've got every single game. <clears throat> so is this now like a matter of record? Like this is data? I guess the team might want to have officially. I don't know. Uh, well, we, we did tell them about this and asked uh, politely if we were uh, if they would be cool with us, you know, letting the public know what we found. Um, <laughs> it took it took a couple of weeks before we got our response. And when they did, you got your press release. So uh, here, let's go through the data. It, it, you know, it seems like the power of Renegade was strongest when the Steelers uh, needed to protect the lead. You know, they were 33 and eight uh, when holding the lead. 
which is, you know, I mean, that's, that's overwhelmingly a winning percentage there. Um, right. And now yeah, that, go, go, go ahead. That was, that was, I mean, that wasn't very statistical. Like we weren't actually doing any statistical tests there. We're just looking at percentages, but for sure, like it's, I think 72.2%. Is that what it is? Where they, we call it a success. They either main, they either came from behind or a tie or they held on to their lead. And then when the Steelers were trailing uh, and Renegade came into effect, the team went six and seven, which, you know, you'd say, well, that's under 500. But uh, it, for the situation to be coming from behind in the fourth quarter, almost a 500 record is is probably uh, impressive for that situation. Yeah, it is. And and because, uh, you know, we had to control for like confounding variables. You can't you can't compare the the renegade games to away games there's just no way to do it yeah so this these, the only data we looked at were home games when they played renegade which i think it was all but two games when they played in those seasons i i could tell you precisely but it, i think there were two games when they missed it oh and interestingly they played it twice on two occasions oh <clears throat> yeah when you really need that pump up i think exactly the the most interesting stat of all this uh, so opposing teams were seven times more likely to fumble on the very next play. So at 7% uh, fumble compared to just a 1% chance, I guess, on any given random play. Isn't uh, that crazy? Yeah, I, that one that one kind of blew my mind. So what do you think is that is would you <laughs> do you think that's due to Steelers players being like the adrenaline and then I can't even talk the adrenaline <laughs> pumping through the Steelers, or is it more maybe the distraction that's uh, the opponents are facing? What, what do you think is the factor there? I couldn't possibly say. In fact, whenever we were discussing the, the, the project, even before we did it, I was speaking with Andy Conti, who's our center for media innovation director. He's the one who came up with the idea. I said, well, look, if we find out that there's actually a renegade effect, I can't pretend to know what it's from. We need like psychologists or sociologists or somebody to tell us what they're doing right. Like this, this is like a totally organic and like perfect timing moment where it's like the right song, the right highlights reel of defensive plays and the right moment in the game. And it just, it just works. If, you know, if other, this, there is a statistical advantage here and you would think or one would think that other teams would want to duplicate this. So looking at this research, if I'm a, another team, I say I got to create my own renegade moment, even yeah. if it's a 7% uh, advantage, that's that could mean the difference between a win. It's a huge difference. Um, yeah. And we talked to some of the Steelers in particular. We, we talked to the guys who choose when to play renegade. And uh, the, the, the one who's currently in that position um, came from a different team years ago. And he so it was kind of handed to him. He, he wasn't there while the magic was happening. You know, it was established at that point when he started. And he said, you know, this is just like the thing that everybody wants. <laughs> and nobody can explain how we got it right. And um, NFL Films did a, did a documentary on Renegade. Um, they sent it to me. Um, they did it a while ago. Um, but yeah, this is this is known apparently in the industry. People want a, want their own version of Renegade and nobody's got it. I think it's amazing. You know, the, the to actually do the work. I think that is. Yeah. When you see the results, it's amazing. Uh, are, are you yourself uh, on social media? Like, do you have an online presence anywhere? I, I do very limited <laughs> social media. <laughs> Probably for for the better, you know. Um, uh, yeah. But you know, is there anything? Uh, you know, I know you're also a uh, you know world class kayaker. Is there anything uh, you know we can promote for you or uh, or plug for you? No, I, I love that you're plugging Point Park University. That's where my heart and soul is. Oh, well, I wanted to ask you as a Duquesne and Pitt grad, and you also worked at WVU for a while yep. too. Did you yep. have uh, any kind of allegiance in the in the backyard brawl? I guess you said you're not a football no, guy, so. I, I mean, I might as well admit to you that I found out about the backyard brawl today, <laughs> and, and it happened like a couple of days ago. Right? <laughs> so, so I am an unbiased research researcher, honest to goodness. 
<laughs> and that's why you can trust this data. So, yeah. Uh, well, hey, Dr. Pascal, we might have to get you to come back later in the season to see how Renegade affected this uh, this coming season. Maybe I'll, I'll start keeping my own stats with you. I'm happy to help out. And I've got two pieces of information or one piece of information you'll appreciate. And, and then another plug where this new field of research, we might have to start calling it statistics. <laughs> and and uh, in all of our data. The Steelers have never intercepted on the first play after Renegade. Oh, okay. So tell we are trying to tell the Steelers defense that because somebody someday someone's gonna get that interception. Yeah, and then that'll go down in history. Yeah. There you go. Right. All right. Well, thank you again for your time. Uh Dr. Matt Pascal, Point Park University. Uh thanks for coming on what Jen's talking about. Of course. Take care, Kyle. All right, take care. All right, so there you guys had it. The this, the science behind Renegade, uh, <laughs> Greg. What do you what do you think there? You know, it's uh, there's, I think there's more research to be done, but but you know, you you've seen it firsthand. Yeah, I have seen it firsthand. I mean, I, I, I for years they would show the clip right after the playoff game in Sa- against San Diego and on the road to Super Bowl forty three, then San Diego. That yeah, they, they've got a fumble. I think it was Larry Foot caused it directly after the song is played. I mean, is it, it you know? It, it, it does it seem like we, some kind of weird ancient spell or something? I don't know. What I do know is is that yes, it's very loud in that stadium after they play that song, and it is entirely possible that even in a very small way, it has an effect on the other team. So, uh, you know, thankfully, this guy went and checked it out. But, you know, as far as a song you can play that would on in any way possibly help the other team, it's certainly worth doing. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do a little further research, hopefully this season to look into three and outs, maybe not just win loss. I'm going to try to go back even further. You know, he only went back to 2014. Let me see how far back I can go. Uh, Oh, I want to say the first time I ever heard it was the first Monday night game against uh, uh, Tennessee, although there are people, uh, I swear I heard it then, but there's also people that say they first heard it in um, the road, uh, the 2002 playoffs. Yeah, Uh, the Maddox season, right? That's my understanding. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I guess what, you know, you're a little bit younger than, you know, some Mm -hmm. of us remember Sticks when they were at the height of their peak of their height, you know, you're, you're not necessarily a sticks fan. Uh, what, what do you, you know, how do you feel about the power of renegade? Some fans are like, it's, we're tired. We're, you know, we're over renegade black and yellow or something else. Mac Miller. No, I, uh, I couldn't agree more that I think there is a impact, you know, just because of what Greg was saying. Like, I mean, it is ear piercingly loud yeah. when, when they play it. Mm-hmm. And I remember back to, I was at the game, uh, that ended up, we ended up, I was at the AFC Championship against the Jets, and I was also at the playoff game before against the Ravens. And when they played it against the Ravens, that was the game where we were down like 28-3 at halftime, and AB was born with the helmet catch on the sideline. Mm -hmm. And I remember when they played that, I was one of the times I had you know some nosebleeds and the the top of the stadium felt like it was going to collapse. Like everyone was jumping so hard that it was literally bouncing in the air. And I mean... I think Woodley got a strip sack. I don't. I can't remember the rest of the game, but I mean, it really did uh, turn it around in the fourth for us. Steelers got mm-hmm. it. Steelers got it. What the do they Gabba got? Gool. The Gabba. The thank, thank you, Tony. Yeah. Um, all right. I just want to briefly because we're going to go so long as always, but I want to briefly mm-hmm. touch on these O line woes. You know, this this is our uh, our master of the obvious uh, segment. Um, you know, gets. Get out the moves, all these masters oh. of the obvious. Yes, we know oh. the O-line is going to be a weakness, but are we going to cry and moan about it all season? Let's, uh, you, you can name any tweet. Let me, I'm going to pick out one of our own. Mm-hmm. At jhartman underscore P-I-T, Jeff Hartman, uh, from behind the steel curtain, you know, did some digging, didn't like what I found. When will the Steelers seriously start to invest in the offensive line? And this has been the, you know, all these think pieces on all these blogs. I, are, we, we did it on behind the steel curtain. I saw Depot. I saw Steeler Nation. I saw all these sites, you know, the offensive line. What are we, you know, why did we ignore the offensive lines for so long, for so long? You know, here's the, here's the quote from Jeff is like, they never replenish the position after players like DeCastro, Pouncey, Foster, and Villanueva saw the writing on the wall. Now, uh, 
let, let me just do a little brief history here because in 2019 we had AV former Pro Bowler Foster, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 13 year starter or one well, not starter but 13 year player Pouncey Pro Bowl season, the Castro Pro Bowl season, Matt Filer. We had just drafted Chooks in in uh, 2018, and we had Zach Banner on the practice squad. So you look at that roster, and you don't need to invest a first round or second round. Uh, I mean, August, how you got the front office experience? Um, the 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 what I see our O line struggles is because after the 2020 season we had DeCastro retire we had Pouncey retire we lost AV and we had to draft and start rookies I always laugh when we talk about the offensive line because my one friend's uh, dad's a big Yinzer with a big Yinzer accent and he would always go oh just wait till we get Pouncey back like everything will be fine when Pouncey comes back and unfortunately I don't think Pouncey's coming back this time so um it's gonna it's gonna be tough. Uh, I mean, I think we just saw what the Bengals went through. Hopefully, we can kind of pull one of those where our offense can kind of get the ball out quick and to our playmakers because we have uh, a litany of those. But uh, also, we're talking about tweets. Probably the best tweet I saw of the offseason. It wasn't me, so I can't take credit for the joke. But someone had a tweet and said, "Can someone on the Steelers' brother play offensive line so we'll draft them?" <laughs> and I was like, "That is a very uh, hilarious but accurate take." Hey, you know, maybe those Davis those Davis brothers have the size. If if KG isn't working out, why you know? <laughs> if we could convert uh, Alexander, gosh, if we can convert Venezuela from DN to tackle, hey, let's uh, let's get one of these Davis brothers a chance. My my take, Greg, and tell mm -hmm. me if, tell me where maybe if this is a bad attitude or if, mm -hmm. if I'm on the right path. It's like we know what we've got with this O line. They're not. It's not going to be five Pro Bowlers. They're not going to be you know. Uh, carrying a brick wall to the end zone while Kenny, you know, has a lime scooter behind him. Uh, it's going to be a struggle all year, like it was a struggle last year, like it was a struggle even two years ago. We couldn't run the ball two years ago. Um, uh, what, what, what should my expectations really be with this O-line? Uh, the expectations should, if, if you're setting your expectation of what would be acceptable, then it should be improvement. It should be improvement over what we saw last year. It should be improvement unless there's injuries. And I think that's where all this rampant negativity comes from is that, you know, no one was making these same complaints or very few people were making these same complaints after the Seahawks preseason game. It all came after the Jacksonville one. As soon as they saw those high draft picks from Jacksonville in the backfield, everyone got traumatized and assumed it was going to be next year, last year, this year. So I think your expectation should be to see some improvement. If you don't see that, then it's perfectly acceptable to say that your expectations haven't been met. And I did want to say I was so glad you went back to when they drafted Chooks in 2018 because I remember at the time how much criticism there was about why are you wasting a third-round draft pick on an offensive lineman now. You have a good offensive line where, I mean, this is, I mean, for years, I want to, I forget if it was Cower or even if it was earlier in Tomlin, they would always, they would usually draft an offensive lineman later on just be under the idea of, well, you can't have enough of these guys. And then it's all for a rainy day like this, where everyone retires or gets injured forever, more or less at the same time. So, and you know, and a lot of people are acting like Kevin Colbert's was. Here's the plan: Dan Moore Jr. in the fourth round, start 17 games on an island against Miles Garrett. <laughs> that wasn't the plan. You know, the the, right. the plan A didn't happen. So we, our plan B was let's start these rookies. And you know, and as and as bad as people want to say that Kendrick Green's performance was last year and how he's looking this year, uh you know, he it took some it took some Quinones to be a rookie at a position, play all basically the whole season, and we mm -hmm. went to the playoffs. Uh, right, and the expectation is to improve from that. I think that's what the people are responding to. As long as it gets better after that, then uh, uh, even incrementally, then that's a win. Yeah, yeah. As, as bad as Dan Moore has even played, he's overachieved for where we draft him and what we're asking of him for exactly. Sure. That's right. I think he'd be my, one of Myron's uh, favorite players. I don't know. Um, <laughs> all right, gosh, long, long, long. We're always long. Let's. I would. Mm -hmm. I, let's just. I, I'll just say one thing about the backyard bra because there were a lot of Steelers there. We saw Kenny. We saw Zach Gentry. We saw Mason Cole. We saw Fryermuth. What's he doing at the? I don't know about that. Although his. Uh, <laughs> His his date is uh, is pretty lovely. We had Kyler Murray there with James Conner. Uh, we had Tomlin in a luxury box. We had Pittsburgh Dad in a luxury box. Is this guy really celebrity status? Um, but I think the really the real stat is at Sports TV ratings. Sports TV ratings. West Virginia Pitt three point one five two million. Penn State Purdue three point five one. We are. <laughs> 
Whatever. I, I don't have anything else to say about the backyard. Let, enough, enough about the backyard brawl. We the, the band the band is on the field. The band is on the field. All right. It's time to put together a game winning drive. We've got some football mm-hmm. odds and ends. We'll start at our own twenty. Let's go to at a Saunders PGH Alan Saunders. Franco said he's still a Steelers fan and follows the team even though they have a pit quarterback. Said he's also a big fan of Najee Harris and hopes to get to know him better. Franco's getting his jersey retired. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and, and but some fans, I didn't I didn't include these tweets, but a lot of fans were like, oh, we got to retire Bradshaw or Palomalu or Ben. Um, do we? I mean, we are we kind of already unofficially retired these jerseys. Uh, do yeah. we need to have an official press conference now for all these other players? What uh, is, are we on? The, are we open the door to a new trend here. Well, I mean, you can't. They can if they want to. I doubt they will. I mean, they're not giving any of those jerseys out ever again, regardless of whoever gets brought back at halftime. I mean, it it makes sense to do it for this particular game, the 50th anniversary, the Mackey reception, the Raiders were there, da 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 da, Franco, sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in our lifetimes they also retire uh, uh, 12 and 7. But, I mean, I, I really doubt they're going to become uh, the Canadiens or some other team and just retire all of the numbers of Hall of Famers. I mean, that would make it particularly difficult in a sport where you have a roster of 53 players on game day. And we've already got the Hall of Honor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's in, in – in, yeah, like you said, we've already kind of semi-retired these jerseys anyway. Um, the big honor – like, Frank, it's, Franco is more – it's it's more of a symbol of the whole team. What do you think? You know, he represents the the the, the really the start of even though Mean Joe was drafted before him, Bradshaw was drafted before him. Franco and the Immaculate Reception is kind of really the the birth of the Steelers. Yeah, I want to start with saying congratulations, Franco. I think you definitely deserve it. If uh, Kyle can confirm, I'm actually wearing my Franco Harris jersey yep. in studio yep. right now. Uh, always been a lifelong Franco fan because I'm Italian, and that was always just a, a fun thing for the Italian side of my family to have someone to root for. So, uh, big. I think it's well deserved. I think what you were saying, he does transcend a player. He's you know he's got the most famous play in NFL history, um, maybe outside of Ben throwing it to Santoni on the back of the end zone. But uh, you know, in in definitely uh, the the lore. I mean, you go to the airport, the first thing you see is him catching the ball. Uh, I do I do uh, want to throw in. I do think that we should just officially retire those other jerseys. I don't think there's any rush to because they are unofficially retired. You don't have to worry about someone like snaking the number. But I do think that, uh, I mean, might as well just have. And I think it's good that they're waiting for a good time to do it. Uh, I think that's that was important. Uh, one last thing I want to say about this, uh, Franco, talking about, uh, you know, now we have a pit quarterback. So I do want to throw in a little backyard brawl love. Go pit. Uh, I, I went to the comedy store after wearing my Merino jersey. And half the people were like, that's a cool jersey. And half the people were like, what jersey is that? Like, because it doesn't have, you know, it's all old school throwbacks that has no logos on it. Oh, pit a pit merino. Yeah, pit merino. A, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. I went with the pit merino. So I was I was stoked after that game. I went and celebrated a little bit. So, um, let's move to. Well, hey, you know, Big Ben has a podcast, footballing with Big Ben. I listen to it. Actually, it's like this podcast okay. marketplace is just getting more crowded. He he does a good job. We're gonna have to up our game here. Uh, oh, jeez. I you know that's all I want to say. Like, if, in and if Ben. Uh, can talk better than me, and, and certainly can. I don't know. I stutter every, over every word, and Ben is up like a pro. And uh, I'm I'm in, I'm into it. I don't know. Did you? Any, either of you guys listen to Ben's podcast? I didn't, but to defend you, I doubt he had as many sound effects ready to go. <laughs> I doubt he put together a, a nearly as tight a, a structure to follow. I mean, it's it, Ben has a Ben might have the experiences, you know, football, but not the experience with podcasting. So I think we can continue for a little while. Yeah, I listened, and uh, the the biggest takeaway is I hope one time he just drinks way too many beers and just goes goes <laughs> off and tells us some awesome some awesome stories from the locker room or something. Yeah, and I know I feel like I'm the Ben of podcasting because after a show, everything hurts. Everything hurts. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Well, let's do a quick a quick shout to at Chris Boswell nine Chris Boswell. Uh, you and Channing changed my life for the better. So excited to spend forever with you. Uh, Chris Boswell engaged, got engaged to his uh, girlfriend, fiance, Big Rock. Of course, hey, you wait until you secure that bag. I was going to say, what an off season for this guy. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> secured the bag, secured the ring. Uh, so <laughs> this, has been the, this has been the year of Steeler weddings. I can't think of another, and not that I've been paying attention to uh, my Steeler wedding registry every season, but we had Highsmith, we had TJ, now we got Boswell. Uh, you know, 
getting engaged. This is a, it's, it's Steeler wedding season. I mean, the one thing I always think with Boswell is that, you know, they found him in a tryout. I mean, he didn't have a job. Didn't he, didn't he have to beat out three other guys at a tryout when some other, I don't even remember the other kicker at this point, didn't work out. I mean, uh, I always think one of the takeaways for Boswell is that uh, he could use it anything in life. When an opportunity presents itself, if you do well with that opportunity, things can turn out well for you. Even Because at the time, wasn't he like living on his ranch in Texas with his dad? Like it's, that's been quite, it's not just a great suburb for Boswell. It's been a great last so many years. He, 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 he had to beat out Randy Bullock, I believe, who is my, my patron saint of <laughs> professional athletes. So yeah, shout out, shout out Boz, him and, uh, him and Juju back in the day used to come up to IUP and party. So really, so, yeah, back, so it's nice to see he's, uh, he's settling down these days and hopefully he'll be keep making kicks for us for years to come. Oh, dude, I would have loved to party with Juju, man. Speaking of let's, uh. Let's go do at original Funko, Funko Pop. Mm-hmm. We've pre-ordered the newest collection of NFL players. We got Juju as a chief, but no mm-hmm. Watt, no Najee. And in fact, the only defender was uh, Mika Parsons. Like, well, uh, TJ, Najee can't get a Funko? What? Well, I mean, one, I would assume that the Pop, uh, the Funko Pops are kind of catered towards maybe an audience that isn't uh, uh, so devoutly following football. So, I mean, it does stand to reason that maybe it'd be somebody that's a little more popular online. And also, what I can say is something that uh, does get that back. I know because uh, my mother showed me this when I was visiting last week, is that uh, Hallmark did make the T.J. Watt ornament. Yeah. I meant to send a picture of that for you. It's, it's maybe not the best pose or posture, but I, I think that in and of itself, uh, I, I think that can make up for the Funko Pop in some way. He's the Hallmark keepsake. He's not. It's he's not doing the sack pose, the drop kick or whatever. It, he's not doing the drop kick, and he's also not doing the jump when he comes out. That's what I would have assumed. It oh. would have been the uh, the both legs up near your butt jump. But no, it uh, it's like it's almost like he's dropping back into coverage. I meant to send you a picture. Oh, okay. That's it's yeah. Weird. That's that's a rare. I guess it's a rarity. The drop back mm-hmm. uh, TJ Funko or whatever keepsake. <laughs> um, God. Okay. Just quick. Just quickly. Mm-hmm. This might be. We'll make me. This will be, let's make this the last one. Uh, at mm-hmm. PGH Steelers now. Steelers now. Who has the flashiest ride in the Steelers lot? Would you believe the punter Presley Harvin the mm. third has a customized 2015 Dodge Challenger, one of the first purchases as a rookie last year. So I was like, oh, let me read this article. And then you go on and mm-hmm. see the quote from the article is, well, there were BMWs and Bentleys, lifted trucks and Teslas, every kind of luxury SUV. So what? What? Why is what Presley's Dodge Challenger is the flashiest ride? I don't. I don't. You know. I don't know about that. But that doesn't seem. Uh, he he does have his signature painted onto the hood. Is I guess that you know it's easy to find your car when you got your name on it. I don't know. A, well, I think it's also car. that just because the idea that I, I don't know they assume the punter should show up in like a 1998 Nissan. I, I guess Century. I guess that's the point. I, I don't know. It uh, that does seem weird. As if like ah here's a person that does not make all uh, millions of dollars relative to their peers has nice vehicle. It's not even that. It's not even the nice. A Dodge Challenger is okay, but I wouldn't say right. it's better than a Tesla or a Bentley. You, you've, uh, I mean, over the pens. You, would you see who was driving up in what car? I, I would see it more at the Raiders. Yeah, so, yeah. and that that might have changed my entire course of my life. I might still be working. I remember I didn't have a car, and I saw Mark Cooper at like you know twenty years old come flying past me in like a black and silver like brand new Corvette. Like, and I just remember being like I ride a bike to, to work like this is this is insane but um and it's funny what you said about presley when i worked at the raiders i'm blanking on his name but we had the flashiest punter in the entire league he was the only uh special like you know kicker non-quarterback that when he wouldn't wear a red jersey he had a shooting sleeve on he would be you know he would act like he was the man he had a sick car i was just like uh this is so i'm i guess i'm used to punters being being flashy uh flashy guys not not Joukowsky or whatever. That was that was probably before you. Uh, it was Marquette you. King. Oh, Marquette okay. King. I, okay. You just saying that just uh, no. Mar- but Janikowski was there when I was there. And speaking of it, that guy was hilarious. He just never practiced. He just sit in the thing with the chew in. Just I mean, he just that guy was hilarious. Like he, I mean, he was there longer than anybody else. So he just did what he wanted. I did learn from the Ben podcast that the players have to put a dip in so they stay awake through the meetings. I didn't realize <laughs> there was a function to that. That's I can totally see that. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Is there? Gosh, is there anything else to talk about? That's what we've been talking about. Oh, okay, Coach. You know, let's uh, <laughs> let's close it out here. 
Um, let's, uh, you can always find us on social media to keep the conversation going throughout the week. I'm at Kyle Christ. Greg, what are you, where are you on uh, social media? Uh, at Greg Benevent, B as in boy, E-N-E, B as in Victor, E-N-T on Twitter and Instagram. August, what, what about you? If I want to get some more, uh, front office insight yeah come to instagram it's at augie d32 a-u-g-g-i-e-d 32 just started my own podcast first episode was just released last week called sense of humor tv uh you can find it on youtube and spotify there you go that's what i'm talking about we all bear a little responsibility to make sure that we elevate this floor that's right it's time to elevate the platform uh you know you listen to us for the last hour sorry we went long uh we need you to to pick up the weight for us carry some water for us we need reviews on apple on spotify that that keeps the algorithm active for us uh we put out 25 podcasts every week on behind the steel curtain so it's like every day you've got new Steelers content you like you don't even get that on snr you don't get that on uh you don't get that anywhere you don't get that you don't get it and so we need your help uh write a review maybe a little word of mouth uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe a tweet, maybe a retweet, a quote tweet. Quote tweets are fun. I don't know, whatever. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, maybe all of the above. I don't know. Uh, just, just do something because we didn't get any reviews this week. It's just uh-huh. like, and all these new podcasts are coming. You know, Ben's got a podcast. Cam's got a podcast. Slash has got a podcast. Ike Taylor. And so we're we're trying to compete wow. with that. And I don't know how. How can we do it? They they're real athletes, and I. <laughs> Uh, I, I am exhausted from podcasting. So, well, I had a great time coming on. I hope to be on again this season. You guys should definitely tune in because I definitely want to come back and talk more Steelers with you guys. Definitely, we want to keep that front office <laughs> insight that you don't get anywhere. No one has it. No one. You know, there's no there's no Omar Khan podcast. Although I, I'd listen to that. Absolutely. Man, we always gonna show respect to the other men that we work alongside. Man, coming up next on Behind the Steel Curtain is the Steelers preview. Uh, you know, I get, get, uh, they're going to be previewing the Bengals game. That's right. We're right. finally playing games that matter. Um, mm-hmm. And, you, you know, we'll be part of the ride. Stay tuned, though, coming up. Set your calendars on September 22nd. It's the debut of the new live post-game show, What Gin's Talking Live. Oh, man. If you, yeah. you think you like Steelers podcast now, the game is going to be changed <laughs> forever. Forever. It'll never be the same. It'll be like... Uh, It'll be like when AB kicked that punter. Nothing was ever the same after that. <laughs> was it? Maybe that wasn't the best analogy, but uh, all right. We've been going it way works too for long. for me. I mean, it, 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 it's, it will redefine what people think of a post-game show as. That's right. What Jin's talking live. The conversation will never end as long as we're talking Steelers. <laughs> okay. All right. Until next week, make sure you listen to Coach. Be the best selves. That's going to be required. Stay in school. 